You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Wow, what a year that we have been having. In the midst of a pandemic, there have been seasons that have just been difficult. It's difficult to understand sometimes the conditions of people's health. It's difficult at times to understand what are we going to do in the future and what will things look like. And it just, it just seems like everything that we face at a time like this has levels of difficulty But within that, we still have human nature. Within that, we still have the human experience. And today I want to talk with you about one of the difficult things that people face. And one of the parts of life that is very, very difficult is when people face ongoing or unjust criticism. And so today, as we look at God's word, I want to talk with you about courage in the face of criticism. How do you and I find courage in the face of criticism? As I read the Bible, one of the things I marvel so much is that Jesus faced critics all the time, and yet he never sinned against those who were criticizing him. And it doesn't mean that he was passive or a pushover. In fact, it was quite the opposite. Sometimes he would set up boundaries. Other times he would speak directly to the criticism. Other times he would just kind of ignore the criticism and continue on mission. As we see Jesus' example and also the example of the apostles in the early church, you and I can learn a lot about finding courage in the face of criticism. I mean, being criticized for your shortcomings is one thing, but what about when you are criticized unjustly? See, every person responds to differently to criticism. In fact, everybody processes life differently. Everybody perceives life and kind of ingests what is thrown at them differently. We are very different. We have different personalities. We are different in how we process what life offers us or hands us, and that's true of criticism as well. If you're familiar with the Enneagram, it's a personality profile assessment that helps you understand you a little better. And if you are an Enneagram one, if you identify with this definition, the reformer, then you're gonna have a hard time forgetting what happened when you were criticized and you're gonna have a very difficult time forgiving the critic. It's just hardwired into your personality. If you identify as being the helper, You are greatly sensitive to criticism. You'll do anything to avoid it. And sometimes you'll even give up your side in order to be liked or to gain relationship with the person criticizing you. The achiever will want to defend himself or herself in an effort to protect their image. I'm an achiever. I identify as an achiever. And as such, I'll want to defend myself. But what God teaches us all the time is that God is a better defender of you than you are of yourself. That God wants to defend you. If you're an individualist, you will often react to criticism. You'll get hurt. You will counterattack. Oftentimes, you'll use a lot of sarcasm or, or you'll be very, very condescending. Condescending means talking down to people. And if you're an Enneagram 4, you just understood that joke that I told right there. If you're an investigator, you're going to try to avoid conflict and criticism. An investigator will give as little information as possible and seem to agree with you when in fact they probably don't. The loyalist will be suspicious of criticism and specifically suspicious of the critic. They will ask the tough questions and they will often give into their internal fears. 
The enthusiast wants to do everything to avoid direct confrontation and criticism. They wanna deny that there are difficulties. They wanna, they'll even make promises or be overly optimistic in the face of criticism. If you're a challenger, you love criticism. You've got a tendency to criticize the critic. And a challenger likes confrontation and they will wanna use confrontation to work toward clarity. They don't mind it so much. And then the peacemaker will want to avoid conflict and criticism and sometimes they'll even cave into the criticism just to be done with it. See, we respond to life differently, don't we? We respond to the difficulties of life differently. And here's why you need today's sermon. God wants you and me to see people as he does and to love people like he does and that is really hard when people criticize you. The good news is that in the face of unjust criticism, courage from God is available for every Christian. In fact, it's part of being a new creation in Christ Jesus. And if you don't have any idea that courage is available to you and that you don't have any idea how to draw on it or to use it, you're gonna be missing out on many of God's blessings like peace and joy and goodness in the face of unjust criticism. Your faith in Jesus Christ will grow your stability, your fortitude, and your steadfastness so that you can face every tragedy and every triumph in every circumstance. If you're taking notes today, write this down. Number one, criticism is inevitable. It's inevitable. It's part of the human condition And at this point in Acts chapter 22, I want you to realize that it is now AD 59. So here we're only 22 chapters into the book of Acts, but we're actually 26 years after Jesus died, after he rose from the grave, after he ascended into heaven. Sometimes you read the book of Acts and you think all these things happen very quickly as in you get to chapter 22 and you think it took three years. No, listen, this growth This process, these highlights that Luke writes in the book of Acts at this point have taken 26 years. Paul now, 26 years after Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem is now returning to Jerusalem. And he's walking into criticism for three things. We find out in Acts 21, chapter chapter 21, verse 21, that what those criticisms are. It says this, they have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. So he's gonna walk back into very zealous Jewish people who in their mindset want to protect God and want to protect the people from what they perceive to be false gods. And Paul is walking back into there after proclaiming good news to Gentile people. And he's walking back as a Jewish person to Jewish people. And they're saying, listen, we have heard that you're saying three things. We've heard that you tell people to dishonor Moses. We've heard that you tell people to stop circumcision. We've heard that you tell people to stop following the Jewish customs. We have to ask, were these true? No. While Paul clearly taught that there is no righteousness or no salvation in those practices, he never taught Jews specifically not to circumcise their children or taught them to disregard Jewish customs. 
Well, who were these people who were criticizing Paul? These were staunchly religious Jewish leaders who protected the, the God that they believed in. They protected the physical temple and they served in the physical temple. This is not some external pressure like from Rome or from Gentile people. This is Jewish people. This is criticism from people who consider themselves to be God's people. They still believed that the presence of God indwelt the physical temple in Jerusalem on the, on the temple mount. They thought the spirit of God still was there in what they considered to be the Holy of Holies. But at the death of Jesus, the curtain dividing the Holy Holies was torn into. The spirit of God literally left the temple. And at Pentecost, the spirit of God now fell on people and indwelt individual people as a living temple that could spread all over the world as a living temple who would be his church. You and I, when you accept Jesus Christ, he sees you and I as a portion of his church, a portion of his temple. You and I are walking worship services. But these people still believed. They still believed that the, the spirit of God Almighty was in the physical temple and they were zealous for it. But Paul, having interacted with Jesus, knows that the spirit of God has left that physical building and in only a few years after this point in time, that physical building in Jerusalem would be destroyed by the Romans and the Temple Mount would be scraped clean of any evidence of the temple. So God wasn't in a house made by human hands. God now indwelt his people, the church. So he was being unjustly criticized by these people. Well, write this down. Criticism may be unjustified, I mean, here Paul does nothing to deserve blame. Can you think of a time in your life when you were grossly misunderstood? Maybe you posted something online and it got taken the wrong way. Or maybe you said something and you were misunderstood in what you said or, or how you said it. Or what you said was misinterpreted by somebody and it wasn't even what you were meaning. And, the, and how they reacted to it was much bigger even than what you said. Have you ever been grossly misunderstood? Have you ever been falsely accused? See, Paul shares God's call in his life to the crowd. He comes back to Jerusalem. They've kind of grabbed him. And he now is trying to make his defense to this crowd of very staunch, very religious, very loud, very outspoken, Middle Eastern Jewish people who are in a bit of an uproar. And he now is going to begin to talk to them. And as he begins to talk to them, as he begins to share his life and God's call on his life, the crowd reacts in a very brutal way. In Acts twenty two twenty two, it says this, that the crowd listened to Paul until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. Can you think of another crowd that had a similar reaction to a Messiah? Jesus. How does this, you know, response compare to the reaction of the crowd when Jesus was accused? Well, Luke, who wrote Acts chapter, well, he wrote the book of Acts. He also wrote the book of Luke. Says in Luke 23, 23, he says this about how the crowd reacted to Jesus. It says, but with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified and their shouts prevailed. Well, what happens? 
you and I can expect criticism in life. We can expect some criticism to be unjust. And in a sinful world, you and I are gonna have to have moments and seasons where we face criticism. And we see it all the time, don't we? We see it right now in a culture that is just primed to react, a highly reactive culture. It's so easy today for the voice of the crowd to turn against you. We see it. And sometimes that criticism is gonna be justified. Other times that criticism is gonna be completely unjust. Well, how do you have courage in the face of criticism? Well, you and I, can find courage in the face of criticism. How did Paul handle it? Let's look at Acts 22, beginning with verse one. It says this. I'm gonna actually start at the end of uh, the previous chapter. It says this, after receiving the commander's permission, Paul, he had asked to talk to the people. He said, um, uh, he says, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Sicilia, a citizen, no ordinary city. Please let me speak to the people. After receiving the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned the crowd. And when they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, this is their native language, right? Aramaic. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. In verse two, when they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel. And I was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison as the high priest and all the council can testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you've been assigned to do. And my companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. And a man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by the Jews living there. And he stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. And then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear words from his mouth. And you will be his witness to all the people of what you've seen and what you've heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Whose name is that? The name of Jesus. Paul continues, when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance, and I saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately, because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. 
Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And now you understand what the statement was by which the crowd then reacted in a way that they wanted to kill him. They could not fathom that God was gonna call Paul to leave his name of Judaism and go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to Gentile people. To them, those were the outsiders. And so they reacted saying, this man's not fit to live. And they began to accuse and criticize and bring witnesses before him as we're gonna see in chapter 22 and 23 and 24 as Paul begins to make a defense. But in this moment, he's gotta find courage. And I wanna point out to a couple things that Paul did in this passage. If you're taking notes today, you might wanna write it down. In love, he attempted to show that it was an error. He tried to just explain to them, listen, I'm like you. I was just as zealous as you. You're misunderstanding me. Second, I love this. He calmly spoke. He reasoned with them. He calmly spoke. Crowd was in uproar. They quieted down. They listened to him. They got in an uproar again. But he calmly spoke. We have to say, well, when Paul was telling his testimony, when he was saying these things, was God's Holy Spirit giving him courage? Was God's Holy Spirit speaking through Paul? Well, we find in Luke chapter 12 that Jesus said this about those who would be his future disciples, people like Paul and the apostles and the early disciples and people like you and me. He said this, when you are brought before the synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you, would, what you should say. That's what's happening to Paul right now. As he's beginning to tell them his story, as he's beginning to ultimately look at the scriptures and make his defense from that angle, the Holy Spirit is going to teach him what he should say. How many times have you and I laid awake thinking about what you should say or what you should have said or what you could have said when you face criticism and how to defend yourself. And, and God's like, listen, in the moment that you need it, I will teach you what you ought to say. Well, what did Paul do? He shared his testimony. See, it takes courage when you're being criticized to share the reality of the decisions you've made to follow Jesus. Because oftentimes the criticisms that come into your life are gonna be based on the fact that you have proclaimed yourself to be a follower of Jesus Christ or you're investigating the claims of Christ in order to say, should I receive the forgiveness of God and become a follower of Jesus? Is it legitimate? Is the Bible reliable? You're looking at these things, you're questioning these things and there are those who will criticize you for, uh, for it. Well, what role does God-generated courage, the courage that God gives us, what role does that play in sharing your testimony? See, all too often it's sad that many people will not share their testimony. They say, I get afraid. I'm afraid to share my testimony with people because they might reject me or maybe they might criticize me. But what I want you to realize as we see in the life of Paul, even right here as he shares his testimony, that it's not all up to you. God will provide you courage in the moment. So share your testimony. What's your testimony? It's sharing how you were before you knew Christ, how you came to know Christ, and how you're different after knowing Christ. It's your story. People can't counter it. They can't say there, Paul, you didn't fall into a trance. Paul, you didn't see a bright light on the road. He's sharing his story, understanding that there'll be some who dismiss him. There'll be some who call for his death. But what should you and I do? Share your testimony. 
even in the face of potential criticism. Share this sermon. Share church online. You are being a witness every time you share church online. You're being a witness every time you share a sermon or every time you share your testimony. You're being a witness for Christ. Well, can unjust criticism be an opportunity to share your story about your, the experience of you believing in God? Yes. In fact, for some people, it often takes the tension. It often takes criticism or maybe even attack for them to all of a sudden just grab some courage from God and share the truth about the decisions they've made to become a Christ follower. Well, what's my encouragement to you? It's not to look at criticism as if God has somehow abandoned you. See, a lot of people think that if they're criticized, if they are unjustly criticized, they think, well, maybe God didn't defend me. God's not there for me. Maybe God's, you know, not, not, he doesn't have my back. Criticism is not a sign that God abandoned you. You got to remember because it happened to Jesus. God didn't abandon Jesus. In fact, in Ezekiel chapter two, verse six, looking forward and proclaiming some prophecy, but also identifying to the life and the times of Ezekiel, God said this, he said, and you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. Do not be afraid, though briars and thorns are all around you and you live among scorpions. Do not be afraid of what they say or be terrified by them, though they are a rebellious people. Ezekiel is working with those who are Jewish people and sometimes they were a rebellious people. We live in a culture of many rebellious people. And so many times, even in this passage, it's beautiful that God says, do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid or be terrified. So he gives four examples in one verse, knowing that the normal reaction to people is to be afraid in the face of criticism. Well, how does Paul's example show you and show me that we can face unjust criticism and still find courage in the Lord. I mean, will the Holy Spirit be with you? Yes. Will he teach you what to say in the moment? Yes. Will he encourage you multiple times to not be afraid? Yes. God gives you courage. Well, how does he do it? God provides three things. God provides, as we see in the life of Paul, courage, and calmness, and confidence. Three things. Wouldn't those be three things you'd love to have in a season like right now? Wouldn't you love to have courage for the days ahead? Wouldn't you love to have calmness in a culture that goes wild? Wouldn't you like to have confidence in your God and in his call upon your life? I want you to let you know that God provides those three things to those who believe in him, those who seek him, those who call upon his name. Courage, and calmness, and confidence. See, God prepared Paul to handle criticism and he will prepare you if you allow him to. Paul was chosen by God for a good work in a fallen world. But I want you to know that so are you. God has chosen you ahead of time for a good work right now in a fallen world like we experience right now. God is for you and has a good work for you to do. And sometimes it's gonna be very criticized. God gave Paul the ability, courage, 
and strength needed to deal with each new phase of the situation. We find that his criticism didn't just end here. God led Paul all the way. He gave him just enough information, just in time. I know so often, as we talked about in the will of God last week, you wanna know where the end is. You wanna get there on your own. And you're like, God, just give me the, the year-long forecast. When is this pandemic gonna end? When's this season gonna end? How's this gonna change culture? And we, there's so many I don't knows right now. And here's what God does. God gives you and me just enough, just in time. He doesn't give us the whole forecast. He doesn't give us the whole roadmap. Just enough, just in time so that we rely on him. And God is there with you. He has not abandoned you if you're facing criticism. He's not abandoned you if you are in a tough season right now. He's not abandoned you if you are in an impossible situation. You're not forgotten by God. You're not orphaned by him. He is with you when you're facing criticism. And God wants you to see people like he does and choose to love them even when they disagree with you or they criticize you. Now, when I say that you should love those who criticize you, a lot of people think you just lay down. You just become a doormat. You don't have a defense. But loving them often means you're going to have to draw healthy boundaries against your critics. It means that you're going to have to exercise sometimes really tough love against those who might be criticizing you. And it means in certain times that you need to stand behind your legal protections. We're gonna watch in chapter 22 and 23 and 24 that Paul actually does all three of these things in the coming chapters. That he's going to have healthy boundaries. That he's going to have to exercise tough love with those he interacts with. And he's going to have to stand behind his legal protections as a citizen of Rome with the rights, the full rights of a citizen of Rome when other people wanted his demise. Well, what decision will you make right now as how to deal with criticism and how to deal with your critics? What decision will you make right now? Will you reach for the courage from God? Because what, what should you be asking God for that he provides? And the answer is courage. That courage is available from God in the face of criticism for the believer. Now the first step of courage for any believer and for any person is receiving Jesus Christ. Why? Because you're choosing to change sides to go from being a critic like Paul was, a persecutor like Paul was, a skeptic like Paul was, a zealot like Paul was. You're choosing to go from this one side that had become your life and your identity, but you engage with Jesus Christ and you're saying, I'm going to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to see a bright light. I'm going to choose sides. And it means I'm gonna face criticism. Paul made that leap and so can you. But in doing so, you receive the forgiveness of God. You receive the full work and acceptance of God in your life. You receive his Holy Spirit on the inside of you as you become part of the living, moving, breathing church, the temple of God that makes an impact on the world and spends eternity with him in a place called heaven. Well, if that's you today and you realize that Jesus is calling you, that Jesus is breaking into your world, that Jesus is pursuing you, and you're realizing that I'm ready to give my life to God, I'm ready to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord, then you pray a prayer like this right after me. Just pray something like this to say, Jesus, today I give you me. I believe you died on the cross for my sin, and that you were buried, that you rose to new life because you're God. I ask you to make me a new creation on the inside. 
Wash me as white as snow. Give me your righteousness in place of my sin. Because today, Jesus, I give you me. And if you prayed that prayer today, you are a new creation. Your sins have been washed away. You are white as snow, they're gone. You don't have to fear death. We'll face death someday, but you will know that even in the midst of having to walk through the potential of death, that after that time you are with God forever and you can have joy even in the face of unjust criticism. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.